a lot of people look at influencers as people they trust, guides in their lives, people they aspire to live like, whether you agree or disagree with how people portray themselves on Instagram or, or social media, it's still a place for aspirational content and to look at people and see what they're doing. The best way to learn something is by doing. Does that advice sound familiar? Maybe a parent, grandparent? Well, this is the same lesson that Thomas Latriciano learned early on from his father. Thomas and his dad started Omigo together in 2018 as an alternate route to Thomas going to school for an MBA. And in the years since, that lesson keeps cropping up. Omigo is a D2C bidet company. And like many industry disruptors, its biggest challenge is educating the consumer base and converting the skeptics into loyal customers. On this episode, Thomas explains how they have done exactly that by blending humor and educational content, plus focusing on how to build an infrastructure that allows them to ride the changing tides of demand and by betting big on TV moving forward. Plus, Thomas shares some of the lessons he's learned from his father, who's an e-commerce game changer in his own right, having grown a small online business from a modest five employees to 250 in the early days of the industry. Enjoy this episode. Before we dive into the episode, I want to let you in on a little secret. Did you know that Mission has the number one e-commerce newsletter? It's amazing. It has really good news and insights and case studies that you will not find anywhere else. So go subscribe, mission.org slash upnextincommerce. All right, on to the show. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder and CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Thomas Lotriciano, the co-founder of Amigo. How's it going, Thomas? It is great. You nailed the last name. Perfect. Yes. I'm so happy. I was looking at that like, oh, can I do this one? So many uh, tricky names on this show, but I'm like a 50-50 shot at getting them right. So, so I'd love to hear a bit about Omigo. I saw it's a bidet company, which was very exciting to me, surprisingly, because I've been to Japan before. And I remember entering the airport and going into one of the stalls and it closed and music started playing. They had this beautiful toilet. I couldn't hear anything. I was like in my own little spaceship and the toilet was obviously like a great bidet. And so I'm very excited about the world of bidets, but I want to hear a bit about how you guys even got into this. I love hearing about people's first bidet stories. And they're always... (laughs) so different. A lot of people talk about Mm -hmm. Japan. Some people talk about habos or having to use their hand or bum guns in Southeast Asia or the traditional Uh ones in Italy. 
and not having any clue how to use them. But it started when my dad rented a new apartment in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they had an electric bidet seat there. And it was just like the ones that um, we're selling now, very similar. So it was his first bidet experience besides the ancient extra fixtures you see in European bathrooms that you might want to wash your feet in. And he didn't use it for a month. Wouldn't touch it. My mom loved it immediately. And so after some time, he warmed up and he sat down, used it. Basically, I like to imagine an epiphany where he sat down and some angelic music played and lights lit up around him and his life was changed forever. He wouldn't stop talking about it. I had been exposed to bidets in Southeast Asia, a little bit different than what we're selling now. That's how both of us kind of got our start with a bidet. But the company came from when my dad just would not stop talking about these Japanese toilet seats. Every family gathering, whenever I was with him, I lived in the same city as him. And um, it just wouldn't end. Yeah. Yep. Once I once you get that experience, I think it's hard to go back. I know when I worked at the main campus at Google, they were everywhere in every bathroom. And to me, that was such like a foreign concept. But, you know, there's so many different people there. Like that was just part of the norm. And I would always have friends come and visit me and family come on campus. And after just me being like, go try it. Don't mm-hmm. be scared. You're going to love it. It's like it was a conversation for the entire like week afterwards. So it is very life changing. I mean, what's interesting, too, about your guys company is that you co-founded it with your dad, which I think is a very fun story. And I want to hear a bit about that because I see he has, you know, a big background in e-commerce as well and had a company that went from like five to 250 employees, which you were working at as a teenager. So I'd love to hear a bit of the background there and what it's like working with your dad. Yeah, absolutely. Super accomplished guy. Really happy to be working with him now. So just kind of how he and I got started, I'll I'll fast forward to, it was a time where I was choosing a career path after I had done two years of service in AmeriCorps, which is a nonprofit um, national organization and triple C. And we had known we'd always wanted to work together. Uh, We're very similar people. And uh, we get along, we have a lot of the same thought processes. And so it came a time where this bidet epiphany had happened. And he said, hey, I know that you're thinking about going to school for an MBA. Instead of getting an MBA, we're going to start this business together. You're going to learn more. You're going to actually get paid instead of paying. And it's going to start a new career for you. And I was, I was game. Very smart, dad. Right? Very smart, dad. I trusted him. I believed what he was saying. I I knew from all of his years experience, like you mentioned, that I was going to learn a ton. And so the the business that you referred to that he took from five to, I I forget how many hundreds of employees, was called Canvas on Demand. And so it is a digital or physical image to Canvas art company. And um, when he started it, you only really found that in Walgreens. And so he took it to the e-commerce space, which was in 2005, selling stuff online was weird. You know, it it wasn't like huge yet. You were still going to the store, picking things up. But I guess to kind of, I want to reel back just a little bit more. He started art.com. He purchased the art.com domain Domain. and started selling, yeah, selling posters in 2001 Mm -hmm. with a different company. 
Um, and that kind of set him on this online trajectory. Then he launched into this canvas on demand company, which yes, I worked at as a teenager, every summer, every holiday, I was probably the eighth employee technically, you know, it was mm-hmm. from the beginning I've been working with my dad and, um, I've definitely watched him run his companies and have admired what he's done from afar and up close for, for years now. So it's great to work with him. Yeah. Very cool. So what does the separation of roles look like for, you know, what your dad does and what he's like, and this is for you to run on your own. I would say that my dad is the big picture guy. Mm -hmm. He's really good at thinking outside the box, pushing um, the brand and making sure that everything is in the right place. And then my job is running the day-to-day. So running the store, managing all of our agencies and merchants and working on creative. And I'm really in the day-to-day of, of Omega. And how have you, like how challenging has it been to bring this product to the U.S., sell people on the benefits? Like how do you even approach that marketing? Because I feel like unless you've really tried it, it's pretty hard to convince, you know, someone who's never even thought about it to be sold on a product like that. So like, how do you think about introducing people to this, you know, kind of new product, at least in the US still feels kind of new? Yeah, it's shocking. I still have to convince my friends to try it. You know, I have to convince them. It's not, I run a bidet brand and it's still work to get people that know and trust me to sit down and wash their butts. Washing your butt is such a foreign concept here. And it is maddening because like you said, once you try it, it's almost impossible to go back. You have to get some sort of bidet in your home. And we knew it was going to be a challenge, but we know that that fact I just stated, once you try, you'll never go back. And it's such a better way, cleaner way to go to the bathroom that it's just a matter of time before it catches on in the United States. But it's been a long time. That's my thing. Like these have been around a long time. So like how much more time do we need? Like what kind of, how are you going to get yourself out there? What kind of marketing are you going to use? Like, are you going to pull a poopery and like really go hard with the unicorn type of stuff? Or how are you guys thinking about like educating and like selling? Yeah. Well, you need multiple people in the space to start disrupting and pushing this kind of taboo idea in people's faces. And what we've done is we took an educational approach. No one knows what Japanese bidet toilet seats are. Mm -hmm. And so we have this awesome product that does all these great things, makes you feel amazing, super easy to install. And that's the tactic that we went with was letting people know that it's not intimidating. So we use plain language to describe the installation. We let you know exactly how it functions. And then along the way, we're using a little bit of humor and um, that expressive, how it makes you feel experience uh, and try to get that across in our visual and audio cues. Yeah. And what kind of formats have you seen do best? Like, you know, where you're like, oh, this one video that's centered around humor did, you know, better than a pure educational one. Like, what are you seeing connect with people, especially in like, yeah, the marketing campaigns that you're running? Yeah. And so humor has been a big one for us. Uh, we have one called the day mate and mm. it's an Australian man. And he talks about <laughs> if you stepped in a lot of dingo dung, you wouldn't wipe it off. You'd wash it, you know, so mm-hmm. use a little bit of humor there, but he's also explaining exactly how this great product works. So 
it breaks down that wall of this is gross. I'm not talking about poop, but poop is funny. So let's make jokes about it. And then it says, okay, we're here. We're talking about it. Now look at this awesome thing. Toilet paper is disgusting. You're reaching down and you're wiping yourself. So why don't you wash instead? <laughs> um, yeah. And so humor has been a good one. Yeah. Any, any accents you can get into marketing, I feel like we'll probably have a good ROI. I don't know. Don't measure me on that, but it seems like it would. <laughs> All right. So you're using humor. I sometimes yeah. feel like humor can go both ways though. Like you've got one side that can work really well. Like I was saying, like, Poopery, I know the Harmon brothers like do a bunch of ad campaigns all around humor and they've all done, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them have done really well. But then it also seems like it can be like a short blip of like people are excited about, you know, the squatty potty. And then it's like, is anyone still using that thing? Like what happened to it? So how are you approaching that balance between, you know, funny, but then also this is something that you're going to keep for a long time. Humor is a great attention grabber. So I make you laugh. It's a little bit funny. You're interested in the product. So I'll, I'll say... I am in a video with my dad on YouTube and Mm -hmm. it is called our founder spot and why we founded Omigo. And it tells you basically this story. And then it lets us explain the product without being funny. Mm -hmm. And we think it's approachable and educational and real coming from real people, not actors. And that seems to do extremely well combined with that humor. So I agree. It could definitely be flash in the pan. And we've done funny stuff that hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. But on that front end, getting people's attention, humor does seem to work really well for the days specifically. Yeah, I think that authenticity is definitely key, especially around a product that people don't really understand. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm even thinking like, how do you guys lean into maybe like user-generated content? Which to me, you know, if you see someone using it that is like you, you're like instantly, I'll probably give it a try because you're like me. And if you like it, I probably would too. But for Mm -hmm. something like this, like, you know, are your customers even willing to talk about it and like, you know, get the word out there and help spread the message? Yeah. So we have seen a steady increase in our post-purchase survey for friends and family word of mouth. And that's exactly where it comes from. People that you trust talking about such an intimate topic. So UGC isn't always something that I'm going to be showing on my website because It's true. I'm not going to be able to get the everyday consumer to send me a video while they're on their bidet talking about how awesome it is. But when we do use that approach, it's been in the influencer space. A lot of people look at influencers as people they trust, guides in their lives, people they aspire to live like, whether you agree or disagree with how people portray themselves on Instagram or or Um, social media, it's still a place for aspirational content and to look at people and see what they're doing. And we've seen some very good traction there utilizing that influencer content elsewhere on our marketing channels. Mm -hmm. What platforms are you working with alongside these influencers? Yeah. So they post on Instagram Mm -hmm. and then we use whitelisting on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And then how do you, like, what are the results for that when it comes to, you know, conversions and like, what does that funnel look like versus maybe, you know, just a typical ad out in the world or on YouTube, maybe running it against your video with your dad, like a very authentic, like company story. Like how do those two perform side by side? We typically don't run those side by side out or AB test them. We kind of keep them separate. So whitelisting content is working with an influencer 
where you get them to create some awesome content around your brand, you guide them and let them do their own thing, but then you technically have access to their account. And from oh, there, yeah. yeah, you can use their audience and create a lookalike from it on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram and then retarget them with that content. So, so that's where a lot of the power comes from is building those audiences on Facebook and showing them these people that look and think and talk like them and then getting them to look at this product and say, oh, I've never heard of it. These people are using it. Like It's kind of like that this is everywhere approach. You're going to get hit with a funny ad. You'll see my dad and I, and then you'll see an influencer with it. So breaking down those walls and making it normal is is a big thing in, in the customer acquisition. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. So how do you uh, even garner, I'm thinking about like you have this product and like do customers give you feedback and do you let that influence the product or are you more kind of like tunnel vision? We know it's good. We've been to Japan. We know, you know, what it needs to be like. Like, how do you think about that product development cycle? Yeah, the product is what the product is right now. We know that we have a great bidet seat and we know that we have great bidet attachments and we have faith in these products to perform extremely well. They're super high quality. A lot of people love them. When you're working with a product that 98% of Americans don't have in their homes, you're going to get a lot of feedback about that product in particular. So we are always listening though. It's not to say we turn a deaf ear to what people are coming back and, and mentioning about the product because there are things you can change down the road. So it takes a long time to develop and years and years. So being able to hear what people are saying, seeing patterns in their responses will definitely be guiding our product development. But for me, listening to our customers at the beginning was more about why they decided to try the product, what they like about it and what they were skeptical about. And then taking that feedback and putting it back into our messaging. So that was super important to me. Yeah, that, that's a really good way to view feedback from all angles. Like what are some of the most surprising pieces of feedback either you know before the sale or after that you've received where you're like, ooh, that's like very you know interesting where you actually maybe implemented it into your copy, your language, you know, the way you educate people. Like what was something surprising or more than one thing that actually helped influence how you talked about it or sold it? Yeah. So one thing that we hear a lot and I love to hear it is why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. And it's that sentiment where it's like, oh, I've been living my entire life wiping with dry paper. And these bidets have been around, like what was I doing before? And so we take that sentiment into our marketing. Now on the pre-purchase side, it really came down to listening the frustration points of what we weren't showing and telling people on our website. Mm -hmm. So there are little complications with your seat size and shape and your plumbing fixtures. And it's a complicated world down there by the toilet. And I was looking at it from a world of head down and bidets and toilets. And I knew everything about way too much about toilets than I ever needed to. And to be able to hear a customer pick your head up and say, oh, well, I obviously need to show this information. Why wasn't I doing that before? Doesn't matter. Put it on there now. That that always has been a, a winning tactic for us. 
There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. It also seems like a good way, even around like customer acquisition, building a piece of content of just like, how do I even hook this thing up? I mean, even if they've bought it from a different brand or they're even considering it, I mean, that'd be my first question is like, can I even do this myself? Do I need someone to come and install it for me? And Mm -hmm. what kind of things should I think about before buying something brand new? So it seems like a good content angle too to attract customers that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, we put installation in a lot of our videos. Mm-hmm. And it's simple language. It's DIY, self-install, no special tools, no plumber required, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of all you need to know. Like, oh, I can handle it is basically the message. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So earlier you mentioned working with agencies was like a piece of your, you know, your world. And that's a topic that, you know, we've had many founders on here where some are excited about it. Some are like, it didn't go well. Like, how do you view working with agencies, what things did you choose to maybe hire out? What did you keep in house? And like, how do you keep a good working relationship there? Yeah. So the agency battle, it seems incessant um, until you find an amazing partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've really settled into a couple of great partnerships. And those are the ones that we work harder at because we like the people internally and the work that they do. We get along with them. We have similar values when it comes to business. And so we put in extra time and effort to say, hey, we don't really like this right now. We would like to change it this way, or we would like to see more of this. And the ones that take your feedback and change are the ones that you're going to stay with. And those are the people that we continue to work with. So it's it's not easy finding a good agency. And we've had agency turnover multiple times with Omigo so far, but settling into a great relationship is extremely fruitful and it's, it's still going to be work, but um, that's the approach that we've taken. And, and to answer what we have kept in-house versus kind of farmed out, uh, mm-hmm. we keep customer service and product development in-house. Super important to keep that close to home, understand that feedback loop of what are people saying how can we answer their questions more efficiently and um, making sure that when it comes to a plumbing product, they have a great experience talking to someone and getting their questions answered. So keeping that close to home is super important. Yeah, it definitely seems like a high touch customer service experience that once you you know get past that mm-hmm. point, it can be an instant sale as long as they have a good lead in and know everything and their questions are all answered from the start mm-hmm. much easier. And you have to kind of keep that in house. I can see why. Uh, so getting back to, you know, you working with your dad and he's 
done a bunch of cool things before. Like, what are some lessons and insights he brought into the company that you're like, wow, that really helps, you know, get it off the ground or like this, these kind of insights here or his experience here really helped kind of get it going. Like what kind of things did he bring to this company today that helped you guys lead it to where it is? Yeah. So after he sold and exited uh, Canvas on Demand, he started to consult with other e-commerce brands. So he is uh, the friendliest person I know probably and loves being around people, talking with them, listening to them, helping them. So it was a natural fit for him to take this seven or eight years at Canvas on Demand where e-commerce was changing it was in such a growth stage. Everything was different year after year. And so he had to adapt. And I think that really shaped his way of thinking about e-commerce and allowed him to go past this legacy concept of e-commerce that you might get stuck in if you started in 2001 and really grow with that channel. So he took that into his consulting career. And so for the six years in between his sale and Omigo, he was consulting with e-commerce brands of all sizes, 5 million a year to 120, 150 million a year and everywhere in between. So what we took from his experience into Omigo was what he calls his e-commerce playbook. And it was the fundamentals of where you need to start with a direct-to-consumer business. And the basics of that were great customer service, like I mentioned solid fulfillment, and the fundamentals of a website. So that being something simple and functional, having a great hero and landing page, having solid email capture, um, having all of your email flows built and all of your knowledge base in place and everything ready to scale because something could happen overnight like it did with Omigo and you have to be ready to go from 10 orders a day to 150. So he brought this e-commerce playbook and this really rich knowledge base and a lot of connections to the start of Omigo. Nice. And so how many orders are you guys at today? You just talked about going from like 10 a day to 100. Like what does it look like today? And what did that process look like scaling to where you are now? Yeah, it fluctuates. So it's it's been a funny year and a half for Amigo because at the beginning of the pandemic, the toilet paper shortage hit. Oh and yeah. The toilet right? That. Forgot about that. Yeah. What a crazy time. <laughs> I like to forget about dumb things like that. It's like we didn't actually have a toilet paper shortage. We just had a logistics problem, but okay, carry on. <laughs> we had a we had a hoarding problem yeah. <laughs> and a logistics problem. Either way. It was great for the bidet industry. It was an Mm -hmm. odd time to prosper when you had a lot of people going through hardships and Mm -hmm. a lot of unknown in the future, but we couldn't look at that in the moment because people needed a solution to the toilet paper shortage and bidets are the best answer. So hello, we're Amigo, we've been here, welcome. Mm -hmm. And during that time, it was Black Friday every day for a week. That lasted about a month and a half, we sold out Mm-hmm. And then kind of continued into the new year. And um, we're seeing kind of a, a mini decline right now and a steadying out of how many purchases we get. So we haven't cracked the code 100% mm-hmm. and we're working at it constantly, but definitely going with the flow as far as when orders are coming in and when they're not. So what are some 
lessons or things that you're adjusting going forward now that you've kind of seen these fluctuations in demand and Black Friday every day for a week and then, you know, tapering down again? Like what kind of things are you maybe adjusting going forward to kind of, you know, future proof the back end as well to make sure that you can keep up with it when it's there and then still have your suppliers and manufacturers when it's not Black Friday levels? Like how are you guys thinking Mm -hmm. about that now? Yeah. So after we sold out, we realized this could happen again, especially during the pandemic. It was super unsure times. So we really shored up our um, supply chain. We ordered a lot of product and we have a lot of product and we are continually ordering it uh, Mm -hmm. because we know it's a matter of time until the days are ubiquitous. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I am confident in that. It may take five more years. It may take 20 more years, but there's going to be one day where bidets are everywhere and our products aren't, they're shelf stable. It's not like they're going to be going bad. So having that on hand, being ready for a boom is one way that we're uh, future proofing ourselves. And another way is just keeping everything tight on our website. We are constantly AV testing and trying out new copy or new design to optimize how customers are coming in, learning about our product and finally purchasing. So keeping everything tight on the website keeps us future-proof. And being direct to consumer, we have a great relationship with our distribution centers. So always knowing that we are going to have a distribution relationship where, hey, yeah, we are at X amount of orders today, but that could double in the next three weeks and we need to make sure that you're ready. So having the infrastructure there uh, as well. So where are you most excited to take Omega over the next maybe like three to five years? Like, what are you guys working towards? What are you most excited about right now? Yeah, I'm really excited about television. Yeah. I think that it's funny because you think like, oh, TV, five years ago, you're like, oh, TV is dying. It's all going to be streaming. And yeah, it is a lot of streaming, but it's still a traditional marketing platform. There are still ads on every streaming platform. And Mm -hmm. cable is still a booming industry. It is a gigantic industry. A lot of people have cable, dish, uh, and the like. And I think that for a young direct-to-consumer brand, getting in front of that many eyeballs is really exciting for us. Um, So it's not a new channel. It's just new to us. We're going to be launching soon and uh, are excited about the results. We have some people that we know that are doing well on TV. And uh, we think that we're going to do well also. Well, is it like specifically focusing on, you know, cable, which I do feel like a lot of people are kind of sleeping on that. But I also wonder if maybe like it's a generational thing where it depends on who your target audience is that you're trying to get in front of, like, you know, where maybe people closer to our age, they might not have cable. They're probably, you know, Netflix, Hulu, everywhere else, YouTube. But then when I think about maybe my parents, like for sure, they still have cable and they're probably not going to get rid of it for a long time. Are you exploring all of that? Yeah, we'll definitely explore all of it. Streaming is great. We have those low price um, bidet attachments at Amigo that start at $89. Mm-hmm. So great entry level, great price for anyone that wants a bidet. And then our top of the line bidet is at $649. And we do see the demographic there swing older. And that's a that's a demographic that is humongous in this country. A lot of them are still watching cable, like you said. So they don't know about these luxury bidet toilet seats. And if they see it on TV, I think that kind of awareness is just Mm going to do good things for every bidet company out there. 
Yeah, we'll have to circle back once you guys are live and yeah. maybe I'll even see you out there in the world on one of the channels. That'd be fun to hear results and <laughs> yeah, how it's going. Yeah, we're excited. Well, let's shift over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Thomas? Yes. Cool. What e-commerce tool or piece of technology are you most excited about right now that you guys are maybe experimenting with? So we've been on SMS for a while, but mm -hmm. SMS has just been a great platform for us. Uh, being able to get into people's pockets and the open rate and click-through rate has been awesome. So SMS is a killer. It's not going anywhere and we're super excited about it. Awesome. What's up next on your reading list or your podcast queue? Uh, guiltily been learning more about crypto lately on my podcast queue. So trying yeah. to educate myself on not just kind of what's booming and busting, but the the inner workings and how to actually invest long-term into that world. So definitely a little bit of crypto podcast in there. Nice. Yeah. There's uh, some good ones out there. Personal favorites. So I'll have to send some, yeah. some uh, episodes your way that are good ones. <laughs> when you want to get creative, what do you do to get into that headspace? I turn off everything around me and I really put myself into the place of who this creative project is for. Put on a little different hat for email, put on a different hat for Facebook. And if I'm stuck, I leave wherever I am. Very active person. So being able to get some blood flow gets my creative juices going too. Yep. Yeah. Same. Cool. All right. And the last one, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? The next year, the continued at-home life. People are not going to go back to the office full-time. A lot of people are going to keep spending time at home. People are buying houses. Um, so this at-home goods and everything that you can use around the house is going to be um, huge because people are still shopping online. People are still getting everything shipped to their door. We're not going to go back to retail yet. I think that's going to be in the next year, a big one. Cool. All right, Thomas. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about bidets and the fun world. Where can people find out more about you and Omigo? Yep. So if you want to find out about me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Thomas Latriciano. And if you want to find out about Omigo, you can go to myomigo.com. That's M-Y-O-M-I-G-O.com. We have all of your butt washing needs. Stop wiping people. Wash your butt do it the right way. Come on. All right. Thanks so much, Thomas. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnext in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.